couple of things I just want to say on the front end. First of all, if it looks like I have a shiner up here, um, it's, it's because the security team shot me yesterday. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I told them I was going to say that, but that's not. They had a uh, drill yesterday, and Kira and I were here participating in that. And uh, during one of the uh, little scenarios that they were um, acting out, I got an airsoft bullet right to the neck. You know, so. <laughs> but no, this is actually just a sty. Um, pray for uh, me in that regard. I tend to get them somewhat chronically. Um, it's just been in the last couple of years, few years, like every so often, I get into a high dust environment and I get a sty. And uh, unacceptable. unacceptable, Dorothy. Amen. I appreciate that. Absolutely. I appreciate that. And I was uh, over here in the, the room this morning just kind of confessing that it had me discouraged this week. And, uh, and so I appreciated the prayers that were coming up over there. Um, in the, uh, the prayer room prior to the service. I want to say thank you to all of you who um, wrote us nice cards, gave us nice gifts, did some, uh, you, you, that showed us such welcoming into the home for Pastors Appreciation Month last uh, month. And uh, we really appreciate them. I've got a nice stack of uh, cards in my office um, that were just such a blessing to read. Some were anonymous, so I don't know who you were, but thank you. And uh, praise the Lord for that encouragement. And uh, we really appreciated it a lot. Um, a lot, a lot. And, um, and I, I also want to take a moment and, uh, and just say, do we have any uh, veterans in the house? Please stand up. Any veterans in the house? Please stand up. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate your service. We appreciate the sacrifice you made. We appreciate the sacrifice your spouse has made uh, if you're married at the time. And we understand that it's, it's not an easy call um, to, to step into those places. And I know, um, yeah, I just, we appreciate you and wanted to show that and honor you this morning um, for what you've done and how you've served. So thank you so much. Um, last week... Who was here for Woody Woodson last week? Come on, somebody. Come on. Man, I love that guy. Um, last week, Woody Woodson, uh, he, he mentioned several key things. Uh, I mean, there was a lot that he was mentioning. Um, but I wanted to just take a moment off the offset before I get to what I'm really speaking about this morning, just to remind us I, I, of some of the key things that I really feel like he wasn't just saying, you know, as a general word for the church, but that he was saying it is a general word for the church, but he was really saying in a, in a more specific word for this house. And so I was sifting through a lot of what I, the notes I was taking this last week and praying through it. And I was like, what do I think, you know, God was speaking through him that was very strategically for this house. And the first thing I, that, I, um, that stuck out to me was eyes up. You guys remember him saying eyes up? Yeah. And when he said eyes up, it just right away came to my mind Psalm 121. I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And he said, I lift my eyes towards the mountain. Where will my help come from? It's like the mountain is still part of this earth. That the mountain is not where your help comes from. The Lord is where your help comes from. So eyes up is what he was saying. He was, this was the word. He's saying, don't go to you know, to, to this level or even this level or even this level of what you see in the natural, of what you see as a possible solution in the natural, he's saying, look 
vertical to the Lord. That's where your help comes from. We have to stop relying on the means and the, the ways of men and the earthly thinking of men, and we have to look to God. We have to look to the Word. We have to go into our secret place in prayer, and we have to receive what, we, uh, what our help truly is, which is the Lord's help. He's our greatest help. He will always be our greatest help. And so I wanted to remind us of that word. The other thing that he said was uh, a word that he got for the year was sore. Sore. It's like, how long, he said, uh, do we, are we going to walk around like chickens when we were made to fly like eagles? He says, we will mount up on eagles' wings and soar, right, in the word of God. We are supposed to be soaring like eagles, and, and, and often we are walking around plucking at the ground, and, and, and we're not understanding what God has created us for, who God has created us to be, and through his power and might, we are meant to soar. And so I just want to remind us of that. We are, um, at Tammy uh, Mays this week, I was uh, really inspired. She came to our staff meeting, and we have like a every Tuesday staff meeting here at the church, and different people around the table bring a devotion time, and we do time of prayer, we do time in the word. And she brought this word this week, which was a word about eagles, which I don't know if it stemmed from what Woody said on Sunday, but, uh, but I, it just resonated with me in regards to what he said on Sunday, which was that eagles have an altitude they can fly to that other birds cannot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and oftentimes when an eagle gets into a scrap with a crow, the crow will get on its back and be plucking and, you know, pecking at it and trying to fight the eagle, and the eagle will open its wings and allow the currents to take him up to that elevation in which the crow literally falls off. So if you're feeling like the enemy is pecking at you, like the crows of the earth are coming against you and pecking your back and you're meant to be an eagle, open your wings, let the wind of the Holy Spirit lift you up to an elevation in which that crow can no longer come against you. Thank you, Tammy. That word was so good. Because that's what I've been feeling this week with the sty. And I woke up this morning with a headache. And I'm just like, I'm, not, I'm sick of the crows pecking. I'm like, and you know, it doesn't change the physical form. My sty didn't go away. It's still there. My perspective changed. Yeah. Amen. I now look at the, the, the situation and say, God, this flesh can fall away and die for all I care. I will soar wherever you want me, however high I need to go, in order that the difficulties and circumstances of my perspective shift and that the flesh falls away. Um, so just that was another amazing word. He also said something in the prayer room um, before even coming out to preach. He said, when, uh, we went through, and he was referring to 20, 2020, he said, we went through a sifting and it has led to a shifting. And that was something he didn't even say while he was preaching, but it stuck out to me in the prayer room prior to the service. And I, I believe that wholeheartedly, that there was a sift that has occurred within the world and within the church. And now there is a shift that has begun. Yeah. And this shift, in my, from what I can gauge and from my sense you know, of what I prayed into, regard, like God, I was just like, he, I heard the word, I wrote it down, I prayed into it, and it was a shift that is a reprioritization of the presence of God. Yeah. The reprioritization of the presence of God. We need to not just be a people that that come um, to receive 
what we need. We need to be a people that come because he is here. We need to be a people that feel the burden to be in his presence. And not just here at the church. I'm saying being, feel like a people that have a burden to be in his presence at home. To be in his presence at work. To be in his presence at Thanksgiving dinner with the family. Right? Right? We need to be a people that have a burden for his presence. And there is a shift in the church uh, and a movement that is very presence focused. It's just eyes up all the time. It's sore all the time. It's these words that he brought. And I was like, this I feel like we want and need to hear at this church, at Praise Fellowship. We want to be that community. We want to we shift according to these words. And then um, the last thing that really stuck out to me that morning was he said, how many people know the dog's like a bone? You guys remember that? He's like, how many of you know that that dog would prefer the steak? And I was like, woo, that's a good word. I'm like, we need to be a people that are about eating the meat of the word of God, that are about eating the meat that God offers us and not just settling for gnawing on the, the bone. Like, my desire every week is to go and spend time with God each and every day and eat the meat. But when I come in here on a Sunday, I'm like, I don't want this to be a place where people are coming and say, hey, can I just have a little bit of the bone that you have left over? My desire is for all of you to eat the meat during the week. My desire is for all of you to eat the meat during the week. Spend the time in the word, whatever you have to do. Whatever you have to do, you need to make the shift in your life to allow the priority to be God. You need to make the shift in your life to make the priority God. Seek him first in his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. And so this is what we're talking about this morning is this shift to the priority. We're talking about consecration. This is a, one of those words that is very Christianese, right? It's a Christianese word. There's words that we use and we only use in the church. I highly doubt any single one of you is going to go to a dinner party and be like, you know, I had a great time consecrating this week. <laughs> like, you're, you know, like, I had a wonderful time, uh, you know, doing this or that. And, oh, yeah, the, my consecration went really well. Like, people aren't going to do that. Phil's like, I get it. He's like, actually, I've done that. He's like, it didn't go over well. <laughs> But, uh, but consecration is one of those ancient words that is a foundational aspect of our faith. And there are many of them similar to salvation, sanctification, righteousness, atonement, propitiation, and even fellowship that is in the name of this church. Fellowship is in the name of this church. But most of us, when we listen and, or when we utilize the word fellowship and we, we speak the word fellowship, we have a particular perspective by which we think of the word. And I would almost guarantee the perspective is its secondary meaning. We talk about fellowship in the way of gathering together, right? And we might even throw in a good old Christian phrase like breaking bread together, which is a wonderful phrase. But when you gather together and you break bread together, are you remembering what you're breaking bread for? Breaking bread is a, is a call back to the Last Supper. When we say we broke bread together, we're saying we're acknowledging the communion elements. But a lot of times we like to throw it around, oh, we got together, we broke bread together. You know, but I'm going to be honest, and this is me. 
too. I'm speaking to myself. I get together, I break bread together, and I say, we had a great time of fellowship, but I didn't think once about Jesus' sacrifice in that action. But yet we, we say these things, and we don't necessarily always know what it is we're fully saying. And, uh, and we've gotten pretty good as a church of speaking Christian, but not living Christian. And I, I'm just as much convicted by this myself, because I don't want to just speak this, the words. I don't want to offer lip service to the Lord or to you guys. You know, and primarily, I don't want to offer lip service to myself. I don't want to deceive myself into thinking and, and living like I'm living some better life than I truly am or more, more sacred life than I truly am. I want to live it. Like the deep down inside of me, I want to live it. Am I, and so I just, I want to know these things. Fellowship in its original meaning is a group of people or organization that, with the same purpose. And so it's more, the secondary meaning is the, the hanging out part, the, the getting together part. The primary meaning is coming together with a common purpose. And so we're here right now, and I'm just going to throw this out there, and you guys take time to chew on this. What is your purpose for being here? We're going to be speaking about it in coming weeks more and more as we keep moving forward. We've been working on that within the leadership of this church Developing vision statement, mission statement, values, really getting after the heart of why Praise Fellowship exists, why we are as a congregation coming together. What is the reason fellowship is in our name? Because we need to have that purpose. And so that's something we're working on. But I want to ask you, because every single one of you is an intricate part of this body, what is your purpose for coming here to this fellowship? All right, I'm just throwing that out there. Spend time to chew on that. And, uh, and seek the Lord for that. Ask God. Um, but that word in the definition, purpose, it changes it. It changes things a bit because it implies that we have a plan or a goal together. That we're not just hanging out, but we're coming together. And when we come together, we get the bonus of hanging out. But that we have an end by which we're working towards. We have a goal by which we're trying to achieve. And um, that's the meat. That's part of the meat. But yeah, we need, to, we need to seek these ancient things like consecration. And so that's why, I, you know, Kira and I have been praying a lot together and just asking God, like, what, what are the words you're wanting us to speak? What, is the, what are the messages you're wanting us to bring? And we really felt like consecration was a great follow-up to the things that we've been speaking on, repentance and forgiveness, and now talking about consecration. Um, now listen. We've got to become this consecrated priesthood that is depicted in, in scriptures. And if you don't necessarily see yourself yet as a priest, you, you, you need to. If you believe in Christ Jesus, you're, you're a part of a royal priesthood. Amen. And that means something. It means something. It means something great. It means something powerful. It means something wonderful. 1 Peter 2.9 says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. <laughs> who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. 
who once had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And so we, we, we need to become this priesthood. And so that's why we're talking about consecration, um, because that's what was depicted in scriptures uh, in order for the priests to be able to function in the relationship to the Father like they uh, were called to do, they had to go through a consecration process. And so um, we're going to get to what that looks like. But first I just want to say um, there's a quote by Leonard Ravenhill I think really depicts this. We as a church, we always are saying, Why, where is this God of the Bible that, that we are reading about? Where is the God who performs miracles, who performs you know, wonders, who splits seas, creates towers of smoke and, and pillars of fire, whose glory cloud fills temples. Like, where is the God that we read about in the Bible? And, I'm, and this connects to the consecration aspect because th this quote, um, do we have that, guys, up there? Can you throw that up for me, please? Leonard Ravenhill said this. To the question, where is the Lord God of Elijah? We answer where he has always been, on the throne. He's never changing, right? He does not change. He is a constant. He doesn't ebb or flow. He's never weaker or stronger. He's never less or more. He is a constant. God remains at all times. But where are the Elijahs of God? This is why I'm talking about consecration. All right? A man of like passions as we were, or we are, and he says that, Leonard says that because in James 5, he states that Elijah was merely human. In James chapter 5, he says, Elijah was only a human, but when he prayed, the rain stopped for months. And then when he prayed, the rains began. Like he had such a relationship and dedication to the Father that his prayers were answered like that. When he prayed, fire ran, rained down on an altar. When he prayed, bones rattled together and came back to life in the Valley of Dry Bones. Elijah was a man who was dedicated to the Father, right? And yes, one bypassing man, um, where was I at? We are not men of like prayer as he was. One bypassing men, not because they are too ignorant. Wait, something got skipped there. Let me read it from here because something's missing. Um, one praying man stands as a majority with God. Today, God is bypassing men, not because they are too ignorant, but because they are too self-sufficient. You guys catch that? Not because they are too ignorant, but because they are too self-sufficient. Brethren, our abilities are our handicaps, and our talents are our stumbling blocks. Woo, that one hurts good. That one hurts good. Yeah, right. We've got, um, we've, we have, we've become a people that are so self-dependent, self-reliant. He's not showing up, so I'm going to do. And we're, we've lost patience. We've lost uh, the ability to wait on the Lord and, uh, and, and, and trust in his timing because we want it when we want it right away. We've become a consumeristic nation and, and church that's, that's not willing to wait for the Father to provide that which is actually better than we can do ourselves, but we would rather do it ourselves. And in our self-sufficiency, he's just like, all right, try to do it yourself. <laughs> Go ahead, see how that works for you. See how you struggle under that weight. 
under that burden. See how it leads to depression, discouragement, hopelessness, frustration, sadness, anger, hatred, bitterness. All of these things are rooted because we won't rely on God, but we will continually keep trying to rely on ourselves and others who are fallible, broken, flawed to meet our needs. And then all of a sudden we're like, where's God in all this? And he's like, where's my Elijah? Where are my priests who are willing to do whatever it takes to show how much they love me? And I will show up for those people every time. I will show up for those people at the right time. I will show up for those people just because. Because he wants to be with you. He wants to be where he's desired to be. And that's, that's the thing that he's looking for, is the people who are willing to choose, choose to be consecrated unto him. Three keys of consecration that uh, as I was looking it up this week and reading and listening and doing all the studying, three things that really stuck out. And we're going to, uh, if you guys want to, you can flip to Leviticus 8 this morning. Because um, that's where we're going to be referring back to the original the OG consecration ceremony. <laughs> no, it's all right. Nobody needs to laugh at my ridiculousness. Um, but uh, but we're, we're going to go back to Leviticus 8. And um, we're going to be looking. Moses, this was all told to God and instructed um, you know, by God, sorry, to Moses in Exodus 29. This is the actual ceremony in Leviticus 8 where he is in, consecrating and installing the priests into their roles as... Uh, a, a holy people set apart. Um, and so we're going to look at Leviticus uh, 8, 4 to 6. Now the three aspects of consecration, key aspects of consecration that we're talking about this morning are cleansing, sacrifice, and dedication. Cleansing, sacrifice, and dedication. Those are the three keys to having a consecrated life. All right? And so in Leviticus 8.4, we're going to focus on the cleansing portion. Leviticus 8.4 through 6. It says, So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And the congregation was gathered together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Moses said to the congregation, This is what the Lord commanded me, or commanded to be done. Then Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. So the very first aspect of their consecration ceremony was being washed and cleaned. The process of consecration begins with cleansing. All priestly ministries began with cleansing. And here's the key. And it was a cleansing that was received. If you look at the words, it says, you shall wash them. God spoke to Moses and said, you will wash them. They didn't have to wash themselves. They received their cleansing. Church, receive your cleansing this morning. Do you understand that, 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 that what Jesus did on the cross for you when he poured out his blood for you, 
was he began this process. Well, he finished it in the end. But I'm just saying, in the, in the moment that he spilt his blood, he, he, he made a way for you to walk as cleansed. Right? White as snow. And you're saying, but yeah, but I, but I still sin. It's like, well, step into the blood again. White as snow. Step into the blood again. White as snow. I'm like, there's, that's something that, that, that we really need to grab hold of this morning. Um, Aaron and his sons did not wash themselves. They received a washing. Another aspect of this is they chose to be washed. They chose it. They stepped up to the plate of the calling that was upon their lives. They stepped up to the plate of the anointing that was declared over them, and they chose to be washed. You also have a choice. Like, nobody's forcing you to say, I'm going to go to church on Sunday mornings. Nobody's forcing you to, to sit here. Nobody's forcing you in any way, shape, or form to do these things. But every step along the way, you have the choice to take the next step. So while it's great to go to church on a Sunday morning, God's saying, there's more. There's always more. Step into the more. Step into what's the next level of your dedication to me. Step into what I have for you, what your purpose is, what your plan is. He's wanting you to step into that. You're right? But, so they had a choice to step into their calling and their anointing, and they did. They stepped up, and they allowed Moses to wash over them and clean them uh, with water. This was the same thing that we see modeled by Jesus and the disciples when he washes their feet. He cleanses them for their calling. He consecrates them as set apart for the purposes God has them for and made them for. And so that was something that he was doing, was consecrating the new priesthood that we all get to walk in. Right? Right. Leviticus 8, 22 to 23 is where we refer to the sacrifice Right? And he says, and he brought the second ram, the ram of consecration. Then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and Moses killed it. Also, he took some of its blood and put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Man, things just got weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I want you to take note, the, um, it says he brought the second ram. I skipped a huge chunk of this passage. I highly recommend you guys read the whole chapter. But prior to this, he brought a bull, and he brought a first ram, and then he brought a second ram. He's bringing multiple sacrifices were a part of this process of consecration. The bull was the sin offering. The bull was, the, the, you know, apparently there was a lot of sin. That's why it was a bull, right? It's like the big offering. It's like, okay. And the priests laid their hands on the head of the bull. And they, you know, they, the point of them doing that was to press upon the bull. And they, in the actual Hebrew of that text, that's what it was like, lean on it. It was a, supposed to be an actual act of placing your burden upon the animal. The touching of the head was supposed to be an act of relating and identifying with the animal. 
And it was this, this whole thing was wrapped up in this. They would, they press their hand on it. They leaned on it. And then while they were doing that, the sacrifice would be made and Moses would kill it. Then the, the ram was the ram of atonement. The second animal was that which atoned for the sin, right? So there was placing or confession of sin upon the bull. Then there was, this is atoned for, and then there was the cleansing or the consecrating ram, which was that which was, um, from now on, we're going to do better. We're going to try, you know, not try, but we're going to be your people, your holy people set apart. We're going to walk according to your ways and according to your will. And so that was the process of this. So there was multiple sacrifices made along the way. And what we've been doing here over the last several weeks is we had, you know, weeks where we were saying, repent, right? That is essentially saying, confess your sin, turn, walk the other way, walk away from your sin in the other direction. That was the, the, those first couple weeks were the bull sacrifice. We're saying this is being taken care of, confess, put all of these things out there so that God can wipe it away. Then the, the next thing was forgiveness. We talked about three weeks on forgiveness, right? And that was a, another just act of cleansing. It was an act of confession. It was an act of saying, I am holding unforgiveness in my heart. I need to confess this and get it off, off my chest. I need to, to get the weight, the burden off of me. The beautiful part is we are in this church able to do those things, and we're able to do those things without having to make a bloody mess everywhere. Guys, because somebody already has. We don't have to make the bloody mess anymore because somebody already has. The sacrifice has been made. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Like Then there's that really interesting part where Moses takes and puts blood on the right earlobe, the right thumb, and the right big toe. And it was this, it was this, again, it was this identifying to the image of the one that was sacrificed to them, or for them, rather. And it was identifying it in a way of power, the right side always represents power. Jesus stands and is, is standing at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf, right? So he's the right hand of God. And so he is the powerful one. And so this was an indicator as to who was going to clean you, who was going to be sacrificed, and the power by which his sacrifice would save you from sin, and atone for your brokenness. All right? And then the um, Leviticus 8, 32 to 36 is where we get to the part where it's really about dedication. So we've gone through cleansing. We've talked about uh, the sacrificial aspect of the ceremony. And now we're going to look at the dedication that... Uh, that they're committing to after this ceremony is not even done. It's just, it's a commitment to living a life dedicated unto the Father. That's what we are looking to commit ourselves to, living a life dedicated to the Father. Leviticus 8.32 says, What remains of the flesh and of the bread you shall burn with fire. 
And you shall not go outside the door of the tabernacle of meeting for seven days until the days of your consecration are ended. For seven days he shall consecrate you. As he has done this day, so the Lord has commanded to do, to make atonement for you. Therefore you shall stay at the door of the tabernacle of meeting day and night for seven days and keep the charge of the Lord so that you may not die. <laughs> okay. For so I have been commanded. And then this is their response. So Aaron and his sons did all the things that the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses. Again, guys, free will. They, they could have said, I'm not staying here for seven days. Are you kidding me? I've got things to do. They could have said any number of responses to these commands. They could have reacted in any number of ways to these commands. But they didn't. They said, as, as, as for us, you're going to do this, which we've been commanded to do. Aaron and his sons did all the things that the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses. As I was studying, I found out that they did this sacrificial ceremony every single day for those seven days. Every single day for seven days, they, they were washed they laid hands on, they slaughtered a bull, a ram, another ram, all of the altar. They were taking parts of the animals here and burning them on the altar to God. They were taking parts of the animal here and consecrating it. They were taking, I mean, it was, this was no little thing. This was seven days, day and night of being in this place doing the acts that God has asked them to do. And I, I'm not trying to lay it on thick, guys, but I know that we struggle with two hours on a Sunday morning. I, I, I'm, I struggle sometimes, just being honest, with the time that is dedicated, that I, that I should feel like this is a blessing that I get to be here. This is a blessing that we get to be here. Amen. This is like praiseworthy that we get to be here. <laughs> I'm like, it is. It's like, but, but yet at the same time, we come in and we have the other things that are stealing our devotion to the Father and, and where he should rightfully be as our number one priority, we have priorities, plural. And it was never meant to be that way. The original word priority was singular. Priorities is our newfangled way of saying it because we got things to do. But we, guys, there's only one and should only ever be one priority, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what is he asking us to do today? What is he asking us to do in this moment? And he's never asking you to do because you're a slave. He wants to do it with you. Every single moment of every day, God is with you. And every single moment of every day, you get to say, God, so-and-so is speaking really rough to me today. How should, I how should I respond to Mr. or Mrs. so-and-so at work? They're being really blunt. They're being really harsh. They're being something's obviously irritating them. And, and, and instead of including this conversation, we just, don't get on my back. 
Don't get on my case. Don't do, and we react in our flesh instead of having this with us conversation where we're dedicating this moment to being led by the Spirit. So-and-so is making fun of me in school or picking on me in school. I'm going to react out of my flesh as opposed to having this moment where I say, God, obviously there's something else. People don't, like, guys, I don't believe people are innately cruel and mean. What I believe is that there is an enemy trying to steal, kill, and destroy their souls. Amen. That's what I believe. So we have to understand that in any moment where somebody's triggering you, it's not them. It's not them. And if you're getting triggered, it's not you. You're getting triggered because the enemy has supplanted something into you that is surfacing that is evil. And we need to see that cleansed. We need to see this process of dedication unto the Lord become an active part of our life so that we aren't walking around with triggers in our lives, that we get angry, frustrated, upset. We want to hit something, throw something, you know. Like, I, oh, sorry, honey, I got to use this because it just popped into my head. So there was one time that Kira and I were at Hillcrest Church, and we were doing, I don't even know if we were married just yet. We might have just been dating. And um, it's, talk about consecrating. I was devoted to her. I was consecrated to her when we were dating. I was like, I almost got fired from my job because she was sick. And I drove soup from Warren all the way to Randolph on my break just so that I could get her some soup. And then I drove all the way back. And my boss was like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm consecrated to my wife. Well, she wasn't my wife, my girlfriend, who's going to be my wife. <laughs> but I'm like, th these are the things that we consecrate ourselves to all sorts of stuff outside of who God is, outside of who we should be consecrated to. I, I mean, guys, I was a professional performer. I consecrated myself to theater. I cleansed myself of anything that competed with it. Anything that was distracting me from my profession was cleansed out of my life. And then I sacrificed. I spent thousands of dollars to learn to do what I, you know, was going to do. And then I, I spent tons of money living in Manhattan, of all places. It is expensive. But that was a sacrifice. I was, I was working, like, you know, multiple jobs. I'm waiting tables. Nobody wants to wait tables in New York City. I'm telling you guys, it's a cruel world out there. <laughs> it's, no, it's tough. Like, people come to New York, and they expect perfection when they order their meal. They expect it to be exact. The one guy, I got... He was like, where's your rack of lamb come from? I was like, I don't know. It's lamb. Order it or not. I don't care. And he's just like, no, I need to know. Is it Australian or New Zealand? I was like, and I did the right waiter maneuver. I said, I'm not sure, sir, but I will ask the chef, and I will be right back and talk to you about that. And, I, and the chef reamed me out for not knowing where the rack of lamb came from. And I was like, how am I supposed to know where the rack of lamb comes from? You never told me. I was like, how am I supposed to know something? I'd... All for the sake of performing on Broadway. I sacrificed. And I dedicated so much time to that profession. Years and years of learning to dance, learning to sing, learning to act. Years and years of going to auditions. You know, getting rejected over and over and over again because I, I was two inches too short or I was, I mean, it's a petty business. Was it your calling? Wasn't my calling. 
Thank you, Don, for that insightful <laughs> comment. I love you too, Don. Very much. Um, but I had consecrated myself to that profession. What are you consecrating yourself to? What you concentrate on is what you consecrate to. What you concentrate on is what you consecrate to. What are you spending your time thinking about? What are you spending your time focusing on? What are you spending your money trying to make happen? All without consulting the one we're supposedly dedicated to. The one we're supposedly consecrated to is a royal priesthood, a generation for the Lord, God's chosen people. What? I ask you what? I'm not looking for answers. But I am asking you to check. Check that. Take it before the Lord and ask him. So, so far you've got two, two pieces of homework. Purpose. Why are you here? Why are you a part of this fellowship? I think, I know, it's going to be good. The answer is going to be good because you guys are each made with a good purpose and a good plan. So I'm excited for what God's going to stir up regarding your purpose for being a part of this fellowship with its purpose within the region. Guys, we got places to go. God's got things he's doing. He's on the move. He's making connections outside of these four walls. And we need a people who are actively dedicated to the things of the Lord, willing to sacrifice for him because he will make it all good. And you guys, I'm telling you, it's going to be awesome. Purpose, your purpose. Um, and then ultimately, what are you uh, consecrating yourself to outside of, the, outside of God, who's supposed to be our priority? He's supposed to be our number one. And so within the New Testament context of this Old Testament ceremony, what does this look like for all of us in regards to the cleansing in regards to the sacrifice and in regards to the dedication. Well, first of all, I've got really, really... Okay, so first of all, cleansing. Let's start with number one, to be washed. There is a very, very New Testament equivalent to this action, and that is baptism. And so I felt inspired this morning, and I asked Anne to make a... Did you get that? She made it all professional looking. I grabbed a piece of note paper and just put down some, <laughs> wrote down my poor handwriting at the top. Uh, a baptism sign-up sheet. If you have not been baptism and you want to do as the priests did, come before the congregation and be washed to publicly declare that you are setting your life aside for the service of God and God alone, we would love to baptize you. We have a, a hot tub up there, and, uh, and nobody else even knows this yet. Rich and AJ are probably like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? You haven't even... <laughs> but um, two Sundays out, the last Sunday of this month, um, we would love to have anybody, anybody who is wanting to make that public declaration be before this congregation of getting baptized, we would love for you to do it. And you can sign up uh, out there at the sign-up sheet, Okay. So that's the, that's the first action that we do as a, as a New Testament church to declare ourselves as setting ourselves apart for the works of God is baptism. It's a public declaration that's just saying I'm choosing, just like they chose to be washed, I'm choosing to be washed 
before all of the people. The other aspect of that, and, and I want to make myself uh, readily available for, to this, and, and I'm just going to make AJ and Rich readily available to this as well, or Ann, or Kira, or Tammy. All right, so if you have a need for confession, because that was an aspect of the cleansing of the ceremony, if you have a need to confess, if there's anything that you're just like, I need to put the weight of this on the, the sacrifice, but you want to do it amongst Brothers, because we are called to, right? It says, confess in James 5, 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed, right? The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So if you have a need to confess something, we're available. No judgment, no, I mean, I've done a lot of stupid stuff, made a lot of bad decisions. I've shared a lot of it here. And I'm just saying, if you need to confess, like, we're open. Reach out to us. Connect with us. Contact us. You know, and uh, we would love to act in that priestly role for anybody here. All right. Um, I I do think it is very important to take that step prior to making that declaration. Just to be clear, I think that this is this is something you're stepping into something, and you do not want the weight of that other stuff, the old man, as you put on the new man, you don't want to, you just don't want it. I'm telling you, get out from underneath the weight of the burden of sin and guilt and shame and condemnation. Life will be better. Amen. I'm like, yes, amen. Um, so the sacrifice, so that's the cleansing portion is the, uh, the, the baptism aspect of things. The sacrifice portion, guys, I have some really great news for you. Two-thirds of this sacrifice has been made for you. The sin sacrifice and the atoning sacrifice, paid in full. <laughs> paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's paid in full. Guys, that's good news. Your sacrifice then just becomes taking the action of setting your life apart for Jesus Christ. That's your sacrifice. It's saying, I will be the, 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 the lamb of consecration. I will be that which is consecrated unto the Father. Because you were that which paid for my sin and that which atoned and made all things right. And so it's, it's, it's gotten a lot easier for us. But it also has gotten a lot harder for us because I'm not going to lie to you. I just said that you are the ram that gets sacrificed. You have to be willing to die to the other things that you're devoting yourself to, the other things you've consecrated yourself to. You have to be willing to let those things fall off and to let the new man be put on. And that's not actually easy. Because you and I, we've all been feeding on the sins of the world for a long time. And our flesh can be very strong. But I'm telling you guys, Jesus is our overcomer. And if you are spending time dedicating in the word, if you're spending time dedicating to him in prayer, if you're spending time dedicated to the fellowship, coming together with the common purpose, you will see that it becomes easier and easier and easier to walk in the ways of Christ. But it also, the, 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 the world is going to try to come against harder because it does not, Satan does not want victory. He doesn't want us to walk free. So, 
We've got to gird up, put on the spiritual armor of God. There's a reason that these scriptures are in the Bible. You've got to make sure that you're doing the work of preparing yourself for the battle that is raging all around you. All right, so I'm just like, I'm giving some warnings with some of this action because this is the best step you can take in your life. But it also comes at the cost of your life. There's no getting around that truth. And I'd be lying to you and I'd be just painting a pretty rosy picture if I didn't tell you that, that there's difficulty. Imagine this. If you're, 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 you're a boat and behind you is a wake, a wake of all your choices, a wake of all your decisions, a wake of all the consequences that are waiting for you, behind you, because you're just plowing forward in life. And all of a sudden you realize you're not, like, this is not the life I want. This was me. This was me. I'm like, I was, when I was plowing forward in my consecration unto the theater world, and I realized I was hurting people. I realized I was being such a selfish individual, and I would, had caused harm and hurt, all for the sake of my success. I was leaving a wake of destruction behind me. And then, I, and then God was like, I love you. And I was like, oh, I love you. <laughs> and, and, and I had this moment in New York City. I was on the subway train. I was on my way to yet another audition. <laughs> another audition. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit dropped and was like literally hit me on the plane, train. And I just started weeping in the spirit. Which fortunately for me in New York is not an odd sight to see a grown man <laughs> weeping on a train. So... I was just like, whatever. But, <laughs> but I was there, I was weeping in the spirit because I recognized that I had never at once asked God if this is what he wanted me to do with my life. And so I finally said, God, is this what you want me to do with my life? And not to my surprise, he said, no. I was like, but I just spent a lot of money. I don't know what you want me to do. What do you want me to do? Okay, I, I, was like, I was like, at that point, I was like, I'm resolved to do whatever you want me to do. I'd reached my consecration moment. I'd reached the choice moment where I was like, I want to be washed. I want to be clean. I want to I be set apart and dedicated to you. And I had made this choice um, of, of doing whatever. And he said, I want you to leave and go home. It was like a very clear, discernible action. Go home. I was like, in my mind, right, I'm hearing everybody home is going to think you're a failure. You never made it to Broadway. Everybody home is going to think you just left because it's too hard. And you just, like, I started thinking all these thoughts. And then I, but I was like, I'm, if this is what you want, God, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to care. I'm not going to care what anybody else is thinking about why I'm home. But I was like, but God, there's nothing for me to do home. I'm mean, like, <laughs> there's the library theater, but... Like, you know, which is, I ended up getting a part-time job cleaning toilets at the library theater and dressing rooms and other things. I was doing custodial work. And uh, I had just left behind this life where I was traveling the world. I was doing a lot of amazing things and successfully making it um, in that life. And now I'm happy as could be. Praise God. Yeah, because I was just, was like, God, whatever you want is what I want. 
Now, in the moment, it was like a honeymoon phase. I was just like, I'm just so happy to be with God. But then my decisions caught up to me. It's like when you, if you were to turn the boat around right into the wake, like all of a sudden, it's just like, and all of a sudden, I had to face the fact that I was addicted to pornography for however long, since I was 11 years old. And that to, 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 to rewire, to allow God to rewire my brain from that addiction, it took time. It took a lot of time. I was like, oh, God, please. I was praying Romans 12:2 over my mind consistently for years. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might be able to discern the good, pleasing will of the Father. I was just like, every time I would feel this attack, and I was just like, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can know and discern the good, pleasing will of the Father. And I was battling with the pieces of the sword that I knew and I had committed, and I was just like, no, you will not win. But it wasn't easy. But what I knew was that it was going to be the best decision of my life. Turning and doing that about face right into the wake of my consequences, right into the wake of my decisions, was going to be the best decision I ever made in my life. And as I fought this battle and got victory, and then fought this battle and got victory, and it was like, da 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 you know, and then it got carried into my marriage, of course, it did. Like, you, you, you've create, I created an unhealthy and an insatiable desire for something that was never supposed to have that desire in my life. So, of course, my sex drive was all out of whack. Because it was like it wasn't the way it was designed to be because I had been feeding it with corruption for so long. So I had to then sort through that. And I was just like, no. I was like, I, will, I want what you designed me to be to be my reality. And I was just pursuing that. And it was like, yeah, I don't say this to like, I say this to tell you that you can do it. I say this as a testimony to, to, to build you up, to know you can overcome the challenges of whatever the addiction is, whatever the struggle is, whatever the emotions are, whatever the hurts are, whatever the pain is, you can overcome in Christ Jesus if you eat this. Eat this meat. Do not settle for the bone. Eat the meat of the word of God. Don't settle for the bone. It's not enough, guys, and it'll never satisfy You've got to eat the steak that's on the plate. God has prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. That's all I need is his table. The enemies can be all around me, but if I'm sitting at his table, i got nothing to fear. He anoints your head with oil. That's what he did. That was part, anointing with oil was part of the consecration process. He anoints your head with oil because you are priests. Of God. Your cup overflows. That's the promise of his abundance. Amen. He anoints your head with oil. Your cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow you all the days of your life. And you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On that note, we're going to wrap things up. Amen. Father God. We're just going to, yeah, I'm just going to pray a prayer. Again, I emphasize Sign up for baptism if you want to get baptized. Reach out to confess if you want to confess. Mm -hmm. 
I'm sorry, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Come right on up here, Rich, and tell me. All right, and we also have somebody, don't leave if you're a veteran. Please don't leave um, without getting a gift card. We have somebody who wanted to honor you um, today and, and give a gift card to any veteran in the room. So, yeah, we really do appreciate that and appreciate you guys. See Rich. Yes. <laughs> See Rich and Ann. <laughs> All right, so Father God, we just praise you. We thank you. We worship you, Heavenly Father of heaven and earth you are so good you're so good you do still split the seas the spiritual seas the, 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 the spiritual battle that is in front of us Father God you are still working miracles you are a miracle working God Father and there are people in this room that are that are that, are, that have consecrated themselves to things that are lesser. That's the bottom line. But want to be consecrated unto you. And so, Father God, I pray and I ask for your Holy Spirit to work, to work in their lives, to work in their hearts, to work in their, 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 their circumstances. Father God, put a conviction to spend more time eating the meat of your word every week. Put a conviction in their lives to, 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 to sit down, look at their schedule and say, I can spend time in prayer. I mean, if, even if you have to schedule it out, do it. Make it happen. Father God, we pray, we ask that you just, hmm, that you just make a way where there maybe seems like there is no other way this morning. That you shine light into the darkness of people's situations and circumstances and that you bring about a, a, a freedom <laughs> that you bring about a freedom Lord but it starts with a choice so help us to choose it it starts with a choice to stand and be washed it starts with a choice to make the sacrifice it starts with a choice to be Come, the dedicated, consecrated, set-apart people of God. So help us to make that choice in our minds. Help us to make it up right now that that's what we want because we know that's what's best. Because that means we get to be with you. We get to love you. We get to be loved by you. We get to serve you. And we get to be ministered to by you, Father God. And so I just pray and I ask that you do that uh, throughout this morning, you ask that you do that throughout this week. We thank you. We're going to worship you, Father. We're going to go out and worship of you this morning. So, Lord, we just ask that you shift our eyes up, is what he said. Eyes up. Right up to you. Right up to the heavens from where our help truly comes from. Help us to soar at elevations where the crows cannot bother us. <laughs> Help us, Father, to be a people that eat the steak in our own lives. We thank you, Jesus. We pray all of these things in your mighty name.